You're listening to the Driven by Design Awards Wrap. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is Kirsten Mann. Hey, Mark. Good to be back again. Now, Kirsten, you've, you've got the world's most awesome title, but is it, it's something like Superwoman, Wonderful Superlative uh, Unicorn uh, of Design at, uh, at No, Akinex. I think it's just GM of Global Design and okay. Experience. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what HR can go do to you? They can get out all the super Superwoman and the Unicorn stuff and just leave you in a pretty flat GM. <laughs> Right. Now, last couple of weeks, and we started our first one where we brought in the theme around the different projects. We're, and So we're, we're, I think we're talking about communicating design. And in speaking about communicating design, it seems that you've been communicating design all over the world lately with a series of award shows. Well, we have. And actually, I take off on a world tour uh, this week. So I'm going to leave you for a month wow. and go and just talk to a whole bunch of other people on the wrap. <laughs> But, um, but we've done the Melbourne Design Awards, we've had networking events in Hong Kong, and then we did the Sydney Design Awards this week, and I've got to say, I'm on a high. I can imagine why. I kind of feel like Axel Rose. No, nobody feels like Axel Rose. <laughs> no, like don't go there. But no, no, it's really great. And it's been, it, what's been really good is seeing how people get this idea of celebrating design from the demand side. The number of clients who are now turning up to the awards and having the time of their life. We even had an ombudsman at the Sydney Design Awards. Wow! I've never met. I've never had. I've never had an ombudsman at the Design Awards before, so that's a first. Even he was getting excited. I imagine. I went to the Melbourne one, and that was. Oh, he was a she. He was a she, and which which is very interesting because ombudsman, Scandinavian Mm -hmm. term or Swedish term, where the man actually comes from, human not masculine. So, you know, it's great to go Fitting see. Fitting for human set of design, right? It is, it is. <laughs> so we've got our nine projects. We're going to get into those. And all the way through it, we're going to actually talk about, well, what are the challenges about communicating the design underneath these projects? So let's kick off with our first one. I think we're over in Brooklyn. Is that right? That's right. We're actually at Maker Park. Now, this is um, by Studio V Architecture, I think was thing, and it's an urban design pro- um, project. Favourite term of Mark Bergen being a brownfield site. Well, this, this technically isn't a brownfield site because it's a park, okay? Now, when you're talking about brownfield site, you're normally talking about putting new buildings on it, but there are some new buildings here. But let's call it a brownfield site. Okay, so basically they're dealing with the situation of, you know, they're wanting to communicate the future and potentially encourage people that this space, which was traditionally quite, you know, industrial, um, is going to be people will be living in this in the future. And so really, I think you termed this, parks lead to population. Absolutely. I love that term. And, And it's something which is... If you're trying to go get people to look at an urban design and say, we're going to change the landscape in this environment, putting in a park, which is an amazing public gathering space, is a way to go and telegraph to the population, this is what the future of this area looks like. So when you've gone from oil terminal into one of the most amazing and engaging parks that you can have, I think you're setting up the right story. I think so. And look, they've got a real challenge here because you've got to communicate the future state. And it's important that's done at the start of a project because otherwise nobody's kind of buying into this. Mm-hmm. So they've done a fantastic job of that, I think. Awesome. I think for the team at Studio V, um, it's a big tick. Yeah, agree. So let's move on here to the Newbury in Melbourne here. In uh, Preston, of all places. Yeah, so for, for people who aren't in Melbourne, have a think of the... of the neighbourhood which is on the outer bounds of where people think sophistication is. 
Would that be Parramatta in Sydney? Could be Parramatta. <laughs> it could be um, uh, Chelsea. It could be you know uh, Croydon. A whole range of uh, areas around London. And what do we know? What happens with those neighbourhoods? Well, eventually they go get developed. Yeah. And as we as we find that people are trying to get their proximity to the city and find new brownfield sites yep. to go and actually develop. So there's a couple of jobs here that have taken that need to take place. The team at Tomorrow who have put this project together, they needed to make sure that they were telegraphing that this was something which was on your radar. And I think they've done that beautifully by the by just the bright fluoro colours that they've brought into the project. It's got to be a really aspirational pitch, doesn't it? Like you're you're kind of inspiring people, you're trying to stimulate their imagination and really communicating that this property and this living here can be part of your lifelong journey. Yep. And a little bit like the Maker Park, this site isn't completely developed. So you need to engage people's imagination and that imagination has to be that this is where I want to go be for the period when, while my children are growing up mm-hmm. or this is where I want to go live when I'm an empty nester. You know, these are long haul yeah. imaginations. And they're not easy to sell, right? <laughs> no, they're not. And then they've also got the issue that they've got limited inventory. Mm. So, you know, we were talking in our preamble when we were, when we were preparing. Even if there are a thousand apartments here, it would only be 1% of the new people who are coming to Melbourne. So it, anybody who's only got 1% of you know, market demand, it's going to sell pretty quickly. Mm. But what you want to make sure is that you're selling it in the best light, that from a satisfaction perspective for the people who, who move in there, that the expectation and the experience that they're going to have is aligned. If you've communicated that well, you're going to have a fantastic property development. You're going to have really good residents and you're not just going to get a churn thing where investors have come in and bought in and that they've land banked. Yeah. You're actually going to build a community. I think an awesome project here, the Newbury. Where are we off to next? Well, I think we're going to Albright. Albright Villawood Properties and the Vive Group. So same story as we've got here at the Newbury. It's a property development and they're trying to make a very different different type of communication here, which is more about the fun that families can have together. Well, it's interesting, right? Like, so they're they're actually doing. Um, I think they've done the staged home and and trying to attract people. And so we were kind of talking about, you know, that they've put up the honeypot and they're trying to attract the bees in, but they want it to be the right bees, right? So how do you do that? And and that's what these guys have obviously had to work through. Yeah, and and the difference here, Kirsten, is this is a greenfield site, not a brownfield site. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you know, it's that difference between a new environment where there haven't been people living or the reimagining of a space that has a previous reputation. So what we saw there in the Newbury project was for some people, uh, particularly that third advisor that comes into the scenario, Mm -hmm. you're having to go and reorientate them. Mm -hmm. Whereas here we've we've got people who are saying, oh, no one's ever lived out there. Yeah, you're trying to convey a future lifestyle where nobody's got any benchmarks to go for. Clean slate, let's go make sure that we're telegraphing that message well. And I think that honeypot analogy is really good because... It's about saying to people, this might be the type of hive that you want to go live in. Mm. Let's make sure you're seeing what types of bees are around there. And if you resonate with them and it's a nice humming sound, move in. Yeah. (laughs) And look, I would like to live there looking at these photos. I'm like, hey, that looks pretty cool. (laughs) Actually, the photo that we're going to put up this week is going to be of a doll's house that resides next to your desk. Right. (laughs) 
and and we'll make sure that we've got you in front of the doll's house because I think when people see this, there is a lot of the same sort of fluorocolors here. So I understand exactly why you want to go move in I didn't in want here. to highlight it too much. No, that's all right. I'll, I'll tell you your backstory secrets. Now we're off to Teachers Mutual Bank, and this is actually a rebrand, a Unibank rebrand exercise. Now, what's really interesting with this, it's, it's quite a um, – it's been around for a while, this brand, and they've basically had to transition it because they want to retain the people that they've got – but also encourage a whole new era of people as well. And so that would be quite an interesting challenge. You don't want people to lose trust in the brand that you've established over a period of time, but you want to actually say, hey, we are keeping up with the times and we're modern and and open it to a whole new door of customers. Yeah, and one of the things that we've both had the pleasure of around digital experiences is if you change things too much, you see from an analytics perspective that there's brand shock. Mm We used to not have that with brands, and so the idea was we would just fire off new brands at people and they'd have to accept them. I think the team here have done a really great job in working out how to keep true to that idea of the Teachers Mutual Bank, but they've also they've kept the bank thing, but they've updated it to be Unibank because it now has a universal appeal and it could mean many different things to people. So they haven't wandered too far, but they've been able to go make this really standout brand. Oh, it's really contemporary too, isn't it? It's, it's kind of very simple, but really quite beautiful in terms of how they've actually positioned it. And you could see it could be very broad how they position it to a number of people. Yeah, and so I, th- I think your Teachers Mutual Bank and Traffic have done a great job in working out, well, how do you go propel the organisation forward using that human-centred design? Awesome. Now, this next one, Albert Park College Environmental Arts Hub. This is pretty exceptional. And if anybody's got to look at the site this week, I think it's to go and see some of the images that are associated with um, development. It's by Six Degrees Architect and Architecture. And what they've basically done is they were given the remit to design. um, They had two heritage buildings on site of Albert Park College. And that was, I think, the Sandridge Post and the um, Telegraph office. And they were able to go and reimagine those. And instead of just getting typical um, people who deal with schools, architects that are used to dealing with colleges and doing the same old stuff, they went and they said, we want to create an indulgent experience. And it is really beautiful. I mean, I, this makes me want to go back to school. And which adult ever wants to go back to school? I don't know. <laughs> not, certainly not well, me normally. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not sure I want to go back to school. It wasn't, wasn't the best uh, decade and a half of my life, I'd have to say. You but, did. You have to admit you'd want to be in these buildings, though. Look, I'll go in as a mature age student, <laughs> I think is the term. But, but by bringing six degrees in and then saying we want to engage people who can imagine a space which is probably engaging to future adults, mm-hmm. I think they've been able to go do that. Completely. Who would not want to love, like, actually learn in this environment? And I think that what they've actually achieved is something that's, you know, you would want to be in these spaces. And how many pe- kids want to hang out at school? I don't, again, I'm not sure there'd be many. But the other interesting thing to this that we were talking about, it was a community fundraising exercise, I understand. Yeah. And so they had to kind of sell the vision. And to do that and get people to engage in that, you've got to have something that's really exciting. Well, they had a, and, and by bringing in these renowned architects, they had a great story to tell yeah and it wasn't we went to the lowest bidder yeah we went to some people who come with reputation and they're going to actually 
put new layers of value on top of this project. So we, we're not allowed to have favourites, but sorry, Mark, this is my favourite this week. <laughs> no, look, and, and I must say, I am a bit of a fanboy for the team at Six Degrees, but what I found most engaging with the client was the client was savvy enough to not only get the right architects in, but also to raise enough money so that when there was that bit of stretch, the opportunity to do more, that they had that budget allocation there as well. And that's Clever. actually a very savvy, yep. savvy client, who, by the way, isn't a long haul, say, school developer themselves. Yep. This was a new project. It was a courageous effort by everybody involved. I think actually, I'm going to say it's my favourite. Yay! We're in agreement this we've week. We've done that. We've, we've, done, we've committed favouritism. I know, so. that's terrible, isn't it? Sorry, everyone else, but we've just done it, right? So we're off to Nola Smokehouse and Bar next. Yeah, so the Nola Smokehouse and Bar, I like this project because in some ways they've got a simpler communication effort than many bars because they stand for something. Yep. And what they stand for is good Southern American style um, smokehouse and entertainment. The place looks like it fits to that. And you can imagine the menu also fits into that. So so when we're talking about communicating design, this was probably an easier exercise, let's face it, because they had something to anchor to already. They had an identity. And that's a lot easier to communicate when you're it's versus something that's a bit abstract. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I'm a Patricia Seibold fanboy. Absolutely <laughs> Patricia Seibold. Her equation about satisfaction is expectation and experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think what they've, they've, they've been able to do here is say, here's the expectation that you're coming to Southern American, they're delivering it. Obviously the food meets the mark as well. A great project here for Nola Sydney and also from Lachetti Corral. Awesome. And, and maybe Patricia to come and see you as well. <laughs> Look, if Patricia Selvold wanted to come and have some Southern, southern um, Smokehouse with me there, I'd love to go take her, all right? <laughs> so next we're going to Watson's house. Now, this is located in Haymarket in the heart of Sydney, and it's a new 160-room, 15-storey student accommodation. So it's a big building, right? This isn't a little offering. It's a, it's a big establishment that they're doing. And why they're basically in this space is that they're trying to communicate that this is a building of choice. Obviously, it could be a competitive space, but they're wanting to stand out and say to people, hey, and especially students, this is the place you want to be living in. Mm -hmm. And I think they've done a really nice job with that. Yeah, and, and so you've got an interesting thing happening. UTS has a huge range of buildings around. And if you think about it, there's never enough student housing. Mm -hmm. But they also need to make sure that it's a property which is going to have its own reputation. And I know all of, all of my friends who stayed at different accommodation as students, they spoke about their residential as a residential accommodation as if it was the most important place in the world and I should know the brand. And, I, and that's the opportunity here that's, uh, that's taking place. People would want to go into it and they'll be able to say, Watson House, that's where, that's where I stayed when I was doing my whatever degree. So awesome project. Yep. Next up, we have the Freedom Partnership, Ending Modern Slavery. Now, this is a project that's been done for Salvation Army by Toast Creative. And Mark, you had it when you first saw this. I mean, we must admit when we first watched it, we were like, okay, we're not really getting the full story here. So this to me is a marathon project, it's mm -hmm. not a sprint. And the thing about these sorts of communication challenges is, and I can best describe it in thinking about oranges. 
First thing is I have to make you aware that oranges exist. Then I need to entice you to go eat an orange. Then I have to get you to include the orange in a recipe. And then I need to keep reminding you about oranges and that they can be in juices and recipes and just keep eating them as well. And I've got to work out how to tell you a new thing about them. I think what we've got here in this phase of the project is that the team at Toast, along with the Salvation Army, are introducing in a OECD Western country the idea that slavery exists. Yeah. So if that, they've got to give us that foundation. So they've done that. I think that, I mean, and they've chosen a, a really nice design device. That's the start of it, right? If that doesn't get traction, the whole campaign is dead, yeah, basically. So, so they've been able to introduce it to me, but they've also been able to get me to, to love the project because I've been engaged with it. Yeah. And, and then the simple act of having the community of putting your your signature up next to somebody else's means we've now got a bond. We can go have that water cooler or if we're in Melbourne, a cup of coffee, a conversation about slavery and saying, oh, well, I wonder if that those people that we're working with, if they're actually, if that's slavery. And it might be during a procurement discussion that there's a hard conversation which asks, what are some of the details of the people who are working? But that's how you interrupt that chain. Because yep. often these, these um, say, deleterious circumstances for employees come around because there is an inquiry and there is an intervention. You don't change slavery in a modern, modern society quickly, but you have to start by introducing people to it. I think the Salvation Army and Toast are doing a really good launch here. Yep. Let's hope that they've got somebody who's going to hang around long enough so that they can go through all of those various phases. Yeah, the saddest thing would be if they lost momentum and they didn't get through all those stages of the orange, as you outlined. Yeah. And this, this resonates with me really well because when I set up Driven by Design, I knew it was a 20-year project I was heading off in. Right. And, and I also knew that there were going to be several phases that I had to go through, and I'm now in the third of four phases. What was interesting to me, I learned that stage three and four flipped around, but it was actually about communicating one thing in the first phase, another thing in the second phase, and then just keeping and developing. And you need to have somebody who's going to have that long commitment. And that's the key, right? You were there yeah. prepared to do that commitment. I hope the Salvation Army have got somebody similar in that role. Well, they probably do have that. Being the Salvation Army, they have people who don't take on jobs that they've actually got a vocation and an understanding. So, so they've got a, a much better chance of actually driving this through. If it was a government initiative, you know it's only going to last one electoral cycle, maybe two. Yep. I think it's probably with the right people to go mention it, and we wish them well. Yep, definitely. It's a really important cause. And finally, we have Nurse Watch. Now, Nurse Watch here is a really interesting project because we're seeing that the idea of the gigging economy and also flattening the channel is happening in the idea of home care for elderly people who are trying to get nurses to come and, and look after their or adults looking after their aging parents. So basically we've got a, a you know a series of baby boomers and things they've got families where they need they've elderly a part of them and they want somebody to come in and help in the care. They don't necessarily want to put their parents into homes and things and there is a shortage in, in aged care homes anyway. But the whole point is that they want to keep their parents in their family home 
and have people come and support them in that transition because they're usually working and things as well. So for me, this is this is actually a really nice initiative. I thought this was something that I think is going to become increasingly required. And what's great is for the person, um, the ageing person, they're able to maintain their sense of identity and in their home. And I think they've they've shown a lot of in studies where disorientation occurs when people go into nursing homes and things. Well, and that is one of the things that can lead to people going downhill. So something like this just seems it's that circle where you think this is a really great initiative and experience. So the the challenge I can see for Nursewatch has to do with how do they make sure that people can discover them? Mm-hmm. That they that they've communicated they exist, and the and the even bigger challenge is making sure that people are engaged with them. Yeah, and as we know, with all digital platforms, engagement falls off very steeply. Yeah, after and, initial launching, I think. And so, not only do you need it so that you can work out how to get the nurse there, but it has to actually become part of a ritual. Mm-hmm. It has to be something that you need to rely on. And it has to actually be able to serve you. If, it, if it, you're not going to go back to it, if it's just nice, you yeah. have to go back to it because it's important. And so I can see the the phases that they go through here is working out the the quite digitally savvy um, uh, people who are trying to care for their parents. They're going to get it. Yeah. But it's actually how do you go get that mid group and communicate to them the benefits that come through the shared custody, the shared um, stewardship over over parents between siblings or guardians. I think they've got a tremendous amount of communication dilemmas that they need to focus on, but it's a good start where they're up to. But now the thing is working out how do they build community and that importance into their product, not just turn around and say, it looks nice, we've launched it, we can onboard some people. Completely. And it seems like they're really focusing on improving the wellbeing and social interactions with these clients. So for me, I think exactly what you said, they're off to a really good start. There's a lot of work now ahead of them. But I I really like this, where they're heading as well. Yeah, and I think what what I've enjoyed about turning around talking about the projects through the lens of communicating design is the feedback that we were getting from people on the demand side was they're now getting tips about, oh, so it's not just about making the design, it's what's the life cycle, Mm -hmm. how do we apply this? What are some some of the things that we need to look out for? So thanks for spending some time with me today so we can do this. Yep. As always, we can't do this without a bunch of people who help us. Who helped you this week? Well, I'm actually going to pause on that for a moment. Right. Because I know that I was meant to ask you something right up the front about <laughs> about what's coming up and where have you been and what have you been doing, and I haven't done that. <laughs> and, I, and I just thought, hang on, if I go and I do my total wrap-up here at the end... We're going to miss that, but you, you were telling me about a construction conference which is coming up, which which doesn't sound particularly designerish. But well, tell us about it. It's you know, there's a digital revolution is underway in the building construction industry. I'm right? pumping my fist, everybody! And, the digital <laughs> revolution. Yeah, I'm there with and, you, brothers. And you know, Aconex is a key part of this. So there's the um, construction in, in technology summit is coming up in a month's time because it's now time. September, so Great. it's in October. It's actually October 25th in Melbourne, and we're getting getting ready for that because I'm going to be MC that conference. So awesome. it's going to be a really fantastic event. Okay, so con- so it's construction and technology and how is the service design and the technology enablement advancing the way that the, con- the built space occurs? Exactly. And also the things are, what's disrupting? 
construction at the moment. What are the things that these guys, startups, so startups are the disruptors typically, and so there's a lot of those guys being featured. But what do the big guys need to be aware of as well? So there's there's something kind of for everybody in the building and construction industry. Yeah, and I suppose that you've got people who, you know, we, we often think of construction industry just being about new builds, but there's also renovations that are taking place, refits are taking place. So there's going to be something for everybody. We'll have links on the site to it, and I'm sure in the coming weeks that Kirsten's going to send me through <laughs> some details, some more details so that you know what's going on. But as always, so now I can do my real wrap-up and thank the people who help us to make this Fantastic. happen. Obviously, you, Kirsten, as being my design giant this Yay. week. Yeah, I can't do it without my with my co-host. <laughs> can't do it without the community, with everybody's contributions but also with the studios that support us. And this week we've been fortunate to have Studio V who have kicked in in a big way and it's great to be able to go focus on their project here. The team at Tomorrow, Vive Group, Traffic. Now, Traffic we really need to give a special mention to. They took out Best Design Studio in Melbourne for the large size studio and in Sydney. It's a double win. First wow. time we've seen an organisation do a double win. I got to tell you, they were they were almost on the edge of being annoying. They were so excited right. about taking out the double one. It was fantastic, but it's great to go see the team at Traffic. Big shout out to them, the team at Six Degrees, uh, Toast, and Cordenberg, all of those uh, studios that are involved with this, and more importantly, all of their clients who are all driven by design. And it's a as big always, community. if we're not driven by design, what's the point, hey? Hey, <laughs> Kirsten. Thanks a lot, listeners. Thank you. We'll be in touch from San Francisco next week. Fantastic. Have a good trip.